If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Welcome to Season 4 of The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we discuss business agility through customer experience, employee experience, and digital transformation. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. The Agile World Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed on this show, you can go to my website at gregkilstrom.com and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile Brand Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about setting boundaries and expectations during the sales cycle to prevent poor performance or disappointment down the line. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Craig Colby, president of OneStream Software. Craig, welcome to the show. Thanks, Greg. I'm so glad to be with you today. Yeah, really looking forward to talking about this with you. Uh, So why don't you start by giving a little background on both yourself as well as your role at OneStream Software. Awesome. Awesome. So I'm the president. Um, I'm actually one of the founders of OneStream. And uh, it's always important to say there'd be no OneStream if there wasn't uh, a company called Upstream. Um, So I was a founder uh, and I, I ran that company for a while. It was actually acquired uh, by a legacy vendor back in 2005, but we learned a lot from that company. And uh, you know, OneStream is really dedicated to uh, solving the problem for financial consolidation, reporting, planning uh, for some of the largest, most sophisticated organizations in the world. And I run all things uh, that are both go-to-market and customer success-driven. So sales, marketing alliances, but also services uh, areas of OneStream to ensure the, the success of the client. Great, great. Well, so we're here to talk about managing customer expectations during the sales process. So it optimizes outcomes for everyone involved. Can you uh, first maybe describe this challenge and what are some of the potential outcomes are when the customer is promised something unrealistic during the sales process? Well, um, one of the reasons that I, I sort of own it all, Greg, at OneStream is, is to have that sort of single voice. And uh, my experience tells me that setting expectations improperly is a re- recipe for disaster. And it can, you know, it can solve so many, it, it, can, it can bring so many more problems than it solves. Yeah. Um, it's just, you're asking for pain. You're asking for a conversation with the executive sponsor and that's something you never want to have, right? You never want to have that conversation with the customer. Uh, 
where things have gone off the rails. And uh, typically, the number one reason that I see where things go off the rails is when someone has an expectation that was unrealistic uh, on the project. It was not set correctly on the upfront. And what that means is you're going to have bumps and you're going to have an unhappy customer. Ultimately, you know this, Greg, customers talk, right? People talk and and they move from, you know, they might be at one of your customers. They might be going to one of your prospects. So to me, it's a a recipe for not having long-term success. And, you know, I I like to break it up into short-term and long-term. And if you're not playing the the long game, uh, you're in trouble. You're going to have a lot of bumps and ultimately it's going to come back and haunt you. That's what we all want to avoid, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, you know, I've certainly lived <laughs> lived through this. You know, I think sometimes it's it's not always something nefarious even. Sometimes it's just not jumping in and, you know, the salesperson saying, "No, that's not correct." You know, so it's it's sort of omission sometimes or, you know, it's not always, it's not even necessarily an intentional thing, but you know, this seems like a pretty obvious thing to avoid overall, but you know, why do companies continue to to do this and and allow it and maybe even not train for it? Yeah. So it, you said something really important right there, uh, Greg, and that's train for it. It starts with the culture. So you have to train for it. Right. And, and if you're not starting there, if you're not, if the very first thing that the uh, people who represent your company, your, your sales team, your account managers, your customer success team, if the very first thing uh, they hear isn't that, hey, your goal is to set expectations properly, um, you have a you have a problem right there, right? It has to be part of the culture. It can't be an afterthought. It has to be yeah. from day one, hey, this is how you're go- we're going to represent our organization. When we bring in new people to that organization, Greg, we always say they have to take a shower from their previous vendors. Yeah. <laughs> we call it, you know, the whatever the legacy vendor, insert leg, legacy vendor name here. You need to take your uh, legacy vendor shower before you come to training. Yeah. And forget all this, all the things that you heard before, because many of these organizations, they, they have the marketing name. So the, the representatives kind of will do anything for the sale, because the, the business is going to survive, right? Right. Because right. uh, they, they're already so large, they're already at such a large scale that they don't always play that long game. They're, they're in it for the short game, for the quick hit, and that account might be taken away from them next year. Right, right. Right? So, so it starts from a basis of trust and getting everyone to buy in that it's in your best interest as a rep to set expectations properly so that you can be more successful with your next prospect and the other rep, you know, sitting right next to you, they can be more successful as well. And they can build off your success and you can build off their success yeah. uh, with the customer. And it really starts from day one. It starts with the training. It starts with the culture. It's, it's uh, you know, it is a top down type of, mentality that has to be driven into the customer success and the account management team. Yeah, yeah. And I want to I want to dive a little bit more into the the culture aspect in a minute, but first I want to kind of flip it and you know talk about from the customer standpoint and you know uh, 
customers don't always know what they don't know. Um, but you know, what are some red flags that a customer should look out for from a company that, you know, whose sales team might be over promising and potentially under deliver? Yeah, it's a, it's a phenomenal question. And, uh, it's something we, uh, we challenge customers all the time on and, and really it comes down to every, every company, Greg, you know, this, every company can give you three references, right? Right. Exactly. There's all, there's always at least three people that will say something nice about anyone. I think. I don't know if they took them golfing or they had a nice dinner or, you know, yeah. I don't know what it is. Every company has three. It's, it's like the magic number. They've got their go-to three people that will talk fondly at that company. This is, this is what we recommend. Ask for five, throw those out, and ask for five more. Mm. Interesting. Better yet, why can't I talk to any of your customers? Right, right. So we actually give a name and a number for every single customer we have, Greg. Wow. That's what we do at OneStream. Why? Well, we know that's to our advantage. I wouldn't do it if it wasn't to my advantage. We have had customers. I have had prospects that have called over a hundred of our customers. Oh, wow. <laughs> and what they say overwhelmingly is, well, you're not perfect, but man, do your customers love you. And there's no such thing as perfect. And that's sort of the expectation setting, right? Especially with the, when you're selling a software or a service. Have you ever heard of a perfect software or a perfect project? <laughs> no, no. Is there such a thing? that There really isn't. And, and so yeah. trying to set that expectation is not realistic. The expectation is there'll be a couple bumps and we're going to work through them as partners and get to the other side and they're all okay. So the biggest red flag and, and we hear this all the time. Well, yeah, we're, we're still waiting on your competitors' references. We've been waiting for weeks. Well, take the first batch of them, throw them away. You know, ask for five or 10 more. They say they have thousands of customers, right? Right, right. <laughs> they just told you there's a thousand. Why can't they get 10? Yeah, yeah. Why is 20 hard? Well, we give you a thousand plus. And, and that's our sort of our testament. And we're not perfect. And all of those customers would like something, you know, to be improved in the software. Of course, something can always be a little bit easier right. to do. Of course it can. That's reasonable. But we do what we say and we say what we do. We underpromise, we overdeliver, and we deliver success. And that's what it comes down to. But that's the first red flag. If you can... Uh, you know, really dive into the references and find out who's doing what you're looking to do and doing it successfully and glows about it, um, you're, you're going to get a lot of confidence in your in your purchase. That's great. That's great. Well, yeah, one, one more thing along the, the lines of from the customer angle. Uh, salespeople, in my experience, and I've, I've done plenty of selling in, in my life and, and still do um, many times, but, you know, Generally, you hate to say no to a customer, right? <laughs> and uh, it's it's tough because you know you're you're afraid somebody may say yes to the the same request. But in your experience, how can telling a customer no still lead to a positive outcome for everybody, customer and all? Yeah, so it's the most important word to say when you need to say it yeah. because that's your credibility. Yeah. How can you be a trusted advisor? to the organization and, and you are a sales rep and they know you're a sales rep, by the way. Right. 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 You know, they know your job is to sell the business, but 
I promise you your job is so much easier if, if they can switch their mentality to the fact that you're a trusted advisor and you're there in their best interest. And, and very often, and I, I say this all the, all the time to my teams, very often, surprisingly enough, Greg, customers don't really know what they want. They think they know, but they don't because yeah. Yeah. they haven't done it yet. They, they don't really know the, what they're asking for. And so you have to educate. You have to be a teacher as much as anything. You have to be an educator on, hey, I, I hear you. No and why, why is it no? And, and by the way, I hear what business outcome are you really looking for? And is there another way or a better way to solve for that? Typically there is, and typically your solution will probably do it, but you're afraid to say no to the way they want. They're telling you they want to do it because they're the customer. But to me, no is really uh, the first level of credibility that you can gain. And uh, we've had that feedback from customers over the years, hey, you were the only ones that said no. You were the only ones that pushed back and challenged us on this and made us think about it in a different way. And it's, it's an opportunity for you to gain credibility with that customer. It's a powerful word, uh, but it needs to be backed up by, you know, why? No, no and, and why, not just no. And, and, and what can we be thinking about differently? Do you agree with that? I mean, you've had yeah, to right? totally, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely a fan of the the consultative approach, and yeah, even if even if it turns out that it's not the right fit, I mean, wouldn't wouldn't you rather have a, a happy customer that comes back another time when it is the right fit versus someone that's unhappy from the start? I mean, you know, I, maybe this is a good a good segue to going back to kind of the culture and hundred percent, they're going to go away anyway, right, right unhappy they're, they're not going to be your customer anyway and they might tell four other people that they were unhappy yeah it cost you four other customers it's it's not worth it right yeah and so yeah going going back to that that culture piece that, that you were touching on um earlier you know what is what can leaders do to i mean i'd be hard pressed to find an organ a sales organization that doesn't have quotas of some sort and you know, expectations and everything like that. So, you know, getting rid of those is, is not necessarily the answer, but you know, what, what do leaders do to discourage this, this behavior uh, overall? Yeah. So it, it comes back to accountability. So if, if a leader starts to see um, a behavior in a rep uh, that is not, uh, it's not working well for the business, right? So if, if a rep, I'll call it rogue, if they're rogue and they're not, uh, they're not really applying the culture of the company, which is the long game. Um, they're not doing the company. They might get a couple sales, but they're not doing the company any uh, good service, right? Because those sales are going to go away. And yeah. and that stuff uh, really can be corrected very quickly. Um, and when you, see, I'll call, I call it bad behavior, right? When you see bad behavior. It either needs to change immediately, or that individual is not capable yeah, yeah. of of uh, not having bad behavior, and they need they need to move on right. to another organization where where they're they're a better fit. But you said something earlier. You know, if they're not a good fit, I mean, it's just it's a problem from day one. It's a stress on the organization. It's going to be a stress on the support partner, right? Who's ever trying to? It's going to be stress on you personally. Yeah. 
who wants to who wants to sell something to someone and have them mad at them? <laughs> right, <laughs> right. You just you just don't. So culture is everything, and and having a sales culture where people are really teammates, and we you try to develop a team atmosphere, which means what you do affects someone else. The way you have uh, conducted yourself has an effect on your counterpart out there. If you sell a really good piece of business, you've set expectations perfectly and you deliver a success at one of the largest companies in the world and they scream to the rooftops about it. Guess what? That has a positive effect on the guy next to you. And if they do the same thing again for you, that has a positive effect on you. So it's, it's about playing for the team. It's about acting as a team, as a sales team, yeah. which means that you're all working towards a common goal, which is that customer success, setting expectations properly, under promise, over deliver, and, and set the customer up for a positive experience with you know, your organization. That's what you can do, but it, it does start with the top. It, it starts with the leadership. Is the leadership sales at all costs? Yeah. Hey, Greg, do you have to make the quarter? What happens if you don't? You know what my my it's it's such a tough message, but we'll all live. We'll all live, but we won't live if we make our quarter and we just sold three bad customers, right? right. And we shouldn't have sold. Then we won't live. We won't see another day. It'll come back and haunt us a year, two, <laughs> right. three years down the road. Yeah, it'll come back and get you. Yeah. Well, then uh, along those lines, then are there are there tricks? Then there's quotas and there's sales figures, but whatever time increment you just, you measure them by, but are there other metrics that can be used like customer lifetime or satisfaction or things like that, that can be part of the sales team's measurements of success? In other words, instead of just making sales, since again, there, there tends to be some conflict of interest there, right? There absolutely are. So, um, you know, one of the measures we use is how quick to referenceability was your customer. Nice. How, how quick to referenceability are they? And what did it take to get them there? There are some customers say, hey, we, we, we can't be on your list, Greg, until we're live. And that's fair, right? That's a fair yeah. ask. Yeah. Well, if you're a rep and the customer went live, they're a live customer, they're checkbox, they automatically go on the list. If they, for some reason, ask not to be on that list, that's a red flag, yeah. right? So that's one of the ones that we use is that, that time to referenceability. That time to, based on what they said in the contract, they you know they'll go on your list at live. If they don't, that's a problem. Then then there's work to be done there. We've either made a bad sale, or we had some bumps, and that's okay. And we just needed to get through. Yeah. Most of the stuff is is are things you can get through. You know you have to be accountable towards that customer success. So we actually go through that in what we call our QBRs, where we're doing our quarterly business rules. They come up with their customers and they say, yeah, you know, these are these are all my customers and here's their status. So that is a standard part of the QBR is the customer status. Yeah. And they better be referenceable. And if they're not, if I'm in the QBR, there's a conversation that's going to be had of why, what happened. And, um, you know, they need to be held accountable to that. Yeah. Well, um, you, you kind of touched on this already, but wanted to circle back to something else as well. The, you know, that whole, that whole concept of saying no. And how would you coach a sales leader to, you know, make it okay or give some alternatives to using the word no or make it more palatable? And, you know, what, what advice would you give to someone that needs to coach a, a team on obviously wanting to make a sale, but 
sometimes the sale is to your point earlier, sometimes the sale isn't even a good, a good idea for anyone involved. So, you know, what, what advice would you have to somebody that's, that's coaching in, in that regard? Yeah. So I, I have some very specific examples. Yeah. Uh, Greg, we, we've actually sold 30 customers that originally bought another solution where we lost the deal up front and they came back to us. So that's how I actually coach them. I, I say, listen, they're your customer. Uh, if you've presented it properly, if we really have the right solution for them, they're your customer. They might not be your customer this year, but maybe next year. Right, right. <laughs> because, because they're not going to be successful with their current project. They're not. We know it. We know what they're asking for. What they've deemed to be a requirement is not going to be achievable in the way they think it will be. And so they're going to be dissatisfied in building that credibility of saying no, explaining why, and, and very softly saying, listen, we're going to keep in touch. Like We aren't going to do that. But we're going to keep in touch because we think you're going to learn that this is going to, you actually might suffer more than you benefit. And we wish you the best, but we're here. And we're here to guide you when you come back. And so, again, no is credibility. No is your trusted advisor status. And very often, no is the reason they will come back to you and say, you know, you guys were the only ones that said no. You explained why and you were right. We, we should have been thinking differently about this. And that's all you can do. Yeah. And it comes down to the long game or the short game. It really does. That that is, are you playing the long game or are you playing the short game? Yeah, I, I love that philosophy. And yeah, it's um it it definitely in, in my experience it definitely it pays off as well. So that's 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 great to hear. Well, um one last question before we wrap up here. Um just more more broadly, even, you know, as as we're thinking about um sales and, and sales success and customer success, you know, what's one piece of advice you'd have for sales leaders, you know, as they navigate the months ahead with, uh, you name it, shifting economy, shifting customer expectations, all of the above, you know, what's what's one piece of advice you'd have for them? Yeah, and it, it comes back to the, the same thing that I've sort of been consistent on, which is uh, play the long game. Yeah. Yeah. So when the, when, the, when the economy shifts, um, what we often see is you don't necessarily lose the deal, uh, but they do push. The sales cycle tends to elongate. They're really, unless you're really into doing what I call unnatural acts, you know, hey, we'll give it to you for half the price. I call those unnatural acts. Those unnatural acts can can really come back and hurt the long game right? because the expectation then the next time is for you to repeat that behavior. So my advice is always the economy is the economy. Deals will push. Now you do want, you know, you do want to get deals off the table, but you do not want to do it with unnatural acts. You want to do that. Yeah. They want to come off the table naturally, I always say. If you're engaged in unnatural acts, you're you're most likely in trouble. Yeah. Because yeah. they will expect that behavior again. And as we all know, economies cycle. And after they go soft on us, they usually snap back pretty good. We didn't sell anything during COVID, Greg. Like people weren't signing contracts, but two quarters of almost nothing. And we still were 110% of our plan for the year. We made it all up and then some. Yeah. You know, if you asked me at the start of COVID, if we were going to make our number that year, I would have said, heck no, we have no chance, right? We, we need to reset expectations with all of our you know, business partners. We have no chance of making that number. 
But the snapback was so hard because the demand was still there. We still had activity. So I guess my advice is keep up the activity, do all the things you know you're supposed to do, and the sales will take care of themselves. (laughs) Do the right things. The sales will take care of themselves. They will come back. And maybe maybe it's a tough year for, for the team, but next year, you know, we're going to be winning. You do the right things, good things will happen. Karma's a bitch, isn't it, Greg? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that advice. Yep. Well, Craig, thanks so much for joining. Uh, for those listening, what's the best way for them to keep up with what you and OneStream are doing? Oh, www.onestreamsoftware.com. And I think we have, and I know we have, www.onestream.com now. And we are all over LinkedIn, social media channels, Twitter, et cetera. But that's the best way to keep informed is uh, to follow us on uh, LinkedIn or hit our website. And, you know, OneStream has grown like crazy. We are a true disruptor. And it's really fun to be a disruptor because you're doing something truly different uh, in the industry. You you have a unique and powerful competitive advantage, and uh, so it's a it's a real it's a real fun place to be. Uh, we do say no, but we get to say yes a lot too because we have a powerful solution. So yeah, that's that's wonderful. Well, again, I'd like to thank Craig Colby, president of OneStream Software, for joining the show. Thanks for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom. Talk to you next week. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.theagilebrand.show. To get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, visit my website at gregkilstrom.com. Until next week, stay agile.